Thank you for listening. For more information about the Hay Festivals globally and to access our archive, please visit the Hay Player at hayfestival.org. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for coming. And thank you too to the University of Cambridge, with whom 10 years ago we struck a bargain that they would send us their best and brightest experts because we love experts. Michael Gove is currently speaking in the Oxfam tent. And you are here! Um, <laughs> had we been writing the blurb for this event more recently, we might have added a question about whether or not you believe the Russian state has subverted democracy around the world. Um, but we have some big questions to ask and some frightening implications to draw from the answers to those questions given by people outside this room, but I think that you're going to have to answer some of them too, and I urge you to answer them as truthfully as possible. Um, our speaker's going to speak for, I think, 35, 40 minutes. going to take questions. He's very kindly agreed to sign some copies of his great book about Nietzsche afterwards if you'd like to talk to him further. I know you're going to have a fascinating and wonderful hour, and I ask you to join me in giving a very warm welcome to Hugo Drochon. Uh, th well, hello everyone. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, I think the joke normally is when academics come, they say we're used to talking to a big crowd of 20 people. Um, so, um, so I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for you all also not to go and hear Michael Gove and come here instead. So I reiterate this. Um, and I'm going to start the other way around. You think you're going to listen to me, but I'm actually going to start by listening to you first. So I have a couple of questions for you, and I want to see what kind of answers I get. So firstly... If you could raise your hand, that'd be great. How many of you think climate change is a hoax? Well, <laughs> I think the weather slightly conspired against us today, I have to say. Okay, well, that's up us. How about human beings have made contact with aliens and the government is deliberately hiding this from the public? Anyone agree with that? There's a few people, okay. Right, okay, good. What about 9-11, inside job, bit dodgy, maybe a bit of Mossad, yeah? Oh, Lady Di, Lady Di, yeah, MI6, yeah. JFK? What about this one? The government is deliberately lying about the number of immigrants there are in this country. Well, okay. You slightly burst my bubble, I have to say. I thought it was in a very liberal kind of bubble. Final one, conspiracy theories are much more prominent in the US than they are in this country. How many people agree with that? Well, you're all wrong. You're all absolutely... Okay. Thank you. Um, so what I'm going to talk about, as I said um, briefly for about 45 minutes, we did two surveys with YouGov, who you might know is a polling company, there was a short first pilot um, survey that we did in February 2015, and then we did a bigger survey in March 2016. Um, which, so, the, so the February 2015 was only in Great Britain, 
So it wasn't the UK because we didn't have Northern Ireland, but Scotland, England, and Wales. And then we expanded it out in March 2016. We, had, we did Great Britain again, but we also did Germany, Italy, Poland, Portugal, and Sweden. I won't have time to talk about all of them, but I will talk about Great Britain, and then I'll do a comparison between Portugal and Sweden, and I'll explain why. So what I wanted to do is to try to explore then the kind of political, economic, and social reasons for conspiracy theories. I need to give you, sorry, this might sound slightly academic, but I should give you a tiny bit of um, context to start off with, was that in America, which you all think is the land of conspiracy theories, um, they did a study of, um, of conspiracy theories. In many ways, it was the first of its kind, this type of polling um, study. Um, and so they did, there was two professors in Miami, the University of Miami, who did this big study of conspiracy theories in a book that, called American Conspiracy Theories that came out in 2014. And their aim was to kind of bust a few myths about conspiracy theories. Um, so the first thing they tried to say is that, oh, you know, there's been X-Files and all that, but th there's no real rising tide of conspiracy theories. If anything, there's a bit of a plateau from the beginning of the 20th century onwards. Having said that, this was done in 2014, so with the election of Trump, maybe things have slightly changed. The other thing they wanted, the other myth they wanted to bust was this idea that, you know, you, you only find conspiracy theories at the kind of extremes of society. And they want to say, no, you can find it across the whole society, right? You can find it everywhere. There is a question of whether it's more prevalent at the, at the extremes or not, which I'll return to, but they wanted to show you can find it everywhere. And to prove that, the landlady of my B&B, which I just arrived at this afternoon, very nicely offered me tea and then said to me, oh, I saw your talk. I was like, oh, that's very kind of you. And she said, oh, yes, um, I'm one of them. <laughs> I said, one of them? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm one of them. So you're a conspiracy theorist. And she's like, yeah, do you, do you want to have a seat? So I sat <laughs> coming out of the rain. It's like, oh, great, okay, this is good preparation for the talk. Um, so I sat down, and I asked her the same questions I had just asked you. I said, you know, well, what, why, you know, why do you call yourself a conspiracy theorist? So she's like, well, you know, lady died. That's a bit dodgy. I was like, okay, you know, JFK, yeah, a bit dodgy. Okay, 9-11, a bit dodgy too. I was like, okay, well, how is it a bit dodgy? And she said, well, you know, it's because, you know, they, they use it as an excuse to go into Iraq. And I said, sure, they use it as an excuse, but, you know, did that, did that mean that they planned it or not? And, um, and she was like, well, I think maybe, you know, George Bush, I think it might be he was implicated, whatever. So we kept talking, and ultimately it came down to one question, which is going to be one of the main questions that returns. Ultimately, what she said to me is like, look, you know, I think there is just a group of, a group of powerful people who, who control basically what happens in the world, right? That was her ultimate feeling. And then she could relate, kind of bring back all the things that are happening, Lady Di, et cetera, et cetera, to that general idea. And what we'll see, and which is what underpins a lot of this research, is that that belief is the belief that we consider to be the strongest indicator of what we call conspiracy theorizing. Okay, so that was just to give you a bit of, um, bit of background. And so what the Americans found, what they argued at least for in America, is that conspiracy theories track power. So if the Democrats are in power, the type of conspiracy theories you're gonna get are the Manchurian candidate type of conspiracy theories, right? The communist kind of plot from the inside. When there's a Republican in power, that's the kind of conspiracy theories you're gonna get. If it's the other way around, if it's the Republicans who are in power, then it's going to be business, you know, government is in cahoots with big business, right? 
So conspiracy theories, the Americans argued, in the American case, tracks power in that sense. And what we wanted to do then is we wanted to try to compare what they found in, um, in the US compared to, um, to Great Britain. So as I said, we can do Northern Ireland. That's why I'm going to keep referring to Great Britain. And we found that on lots of things, there weren't much of difference. So I asked you if you thought there was more conspiracy theories in the US than in the UK. There's not. So um, in studies in the US found that 52% of the population of, of the people who responded believed in at least one conspiracy theory, which includes conspiracy theories about the Iraq War, 9-11, Obama's birthplace, like the birthers, chemtrails. You know what chemtrails are? No, chemtrails are is the belief that um, there's geoengineering going on to, to change the climate and the environment. So if you see a plane go by and there's a white trail of smoke behind, those are chemical trails that are there to change the environment. They may just be, you know, the exhaust of the plane, <laughs> but some people think they're chemtrails. So if you go online, if you want to have a bit of, well, fun, I don't know. But if you go online, you will see people of videos who are just outside Heathrow and they're filming and there's these trails, white, and they're like, whoa, look at that, oh, chemtrails there. It's like, no, it's just planes taken off from Heathrow. Anyway, um, so, but in short, sorry, but the point was to say, in the US, 50%, half of the respondents said that they believed in at least one of those conspiracy theories, like just one of them, okay? What we found in, the, in Great Britain, and you're quite representative because at least half of you to my questions, put your hand up at least once. We found that it was the same. It's around 55% who agreed with one conspiracy theory. So from conspiracy theories about AIDS or about aliens or about climate change, half of the respondents said they believed in one of those. Okay? So give you some comparisons. In the US, 19% of the respondents thought 9-11 was an inside job by CIA or whatever it might be. In Great Britain, that was 11%. And in, in terms of climate change, none of you believed in climate change. But in the response that we got, 18% of, of GB respondents thought climate change was a hoax, whereas in the US, that's 13%. Okay? So this is, sorry, this is the first, I'm not onto this, I know I have this kind of titillating picture, but I'm, I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm just kind of trying to you know, get you a bit excited. But. This was the first survey we did in 2015. There are two questions that we asked I thought you might find particularly interesting. One of them is the one I asked you, which was government is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country. A few of you put your hands up. The response that we got there was 55%. And the second question was, Officials of the European Union are gradually seeking to take over all, all law-making power in this country. Guess what the percentage of that was? Did I hear 52? Yeah. Spot on. I, I, think the, uh, I think the picture I'm trying to draw here between what happened a, a year and a bit later are, are, are pretty clear. Okay. So this was 2015, and we did another one, in, as you can see, in Great Britain in March um, 2016, which I'm going to talk about in just a minute more. Um, so as I mentioned, I mentioned, so this, my, my landlady, I hope she's not here. Um, <laughs> I think I'm okay. Uh, the landlady, who is a conspiracy theorist, and um, 
you know, and as I said, when you, if, you, if you encounter someone who's a real conspiracy theorist who really believes it, they, they'll often start by asking questions. A lot of, uh, a lot of questions which, seem, which are very valid, they don't just seem valid, are very valid about people being too powerful in the world and having too much power, or questions about certain events that might have happened, whether it's JFK or whatever. That, I think, is perfectly normal. Everybody asks themselves that question. And that's all fine. And it kind of starts like that. But then if you start keep going a bit further and see how far you can go with it, you do ultimately end up with this claim that, well, actually, there's just this secret group of people we don't really know about, and they control most of what's happening in the world. Not, often not simply just like political crisis, but often economic crisis too, or even something to do with the environment, earthquakes or whatever. And so we had this one question which is, what the, which is what the Americans used in their survey and that we reproduced with a slight difference, which is that um, regardless of who is officially in charge of governments, media organizations, and companies, there is a secret group of powerful people who really control world events like wars and economic crisis. Okay? So whoever said yes to that question, we took to be conspiracy theorists. Okay? Is that clear? So, how many do you think said, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to keep asking you questions. Um, you're a great audience. Um, <laughs> how many people, how, what percentage do you think said yes to that question in the US? Any takers? 20? 70. 70. That would be really concerning. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully not. No, it's 27%. Okay. So you think, okay, well, it's not too bad. Um, in Great Britain, do you know what the, res the answer was? Any? Around the same? 34. Tut, tut. Um, to to placate you slightly, the, uh, this is slightly technical, but um, there's a slight difference the way the questions were asked in the US, um, or specifically how they could answer. In, in the Great Britain sample, it was either yes or no. Um, in the US, you could say, you know, I believe with this statement fully or a bit. Um, and so if you kind of flatten those two out, you get more or less the same thing between the US and the UK. Okay, you get a similar kind of response. Um, right, so I'm keep, talk I'm keep talking about the GB and I'm not showing you this, I'm sorry, but I'm going to get to it, trust me. Um, so as I said, in the US, what they wanted to argue was that conspiracy theories track power. If the party that you support is out of power, you're slightly more likely to be a conspiracy theorist, and they're going to take a certain form, whereas if your party's in power, you're slightly less of a conspiracy theorist, and, and a conspiracy theory will, find it, uh, will take another form. So in the in, to kind of give you the main findings that we have before I go through the actual data itself, what we found is that that is true to a certain degree, but if you really want to find where the conspiracy theorists are, or the people who are most likely to be conspiracy theorists, they're not people who think, oh, their party's in power or not. There are people who reject the political system as a whole. So the people who are most likely actually not to have voted at the last elections. Conspiracy theorists don't vote. If they do vote, they're more likely to vote for an extreme. So when we did in 2015, conspiracy theorists, people who said yes to that question, the secret cabal question, they either didn't vote, or if they did vote, they had voted for UKIP. Okay? That's obviously changed since then. So that's what we found. Um, so, um, okay, I should go through some of this now um, um, with you. So, and I'll make this work, hopefully. 
Okay. I, I, can you all see this? Is this kind of visible, or is it a bit? I, do I need to go through it? It's just so we asked the first question we wanted to know was questions about trust. How much trust do you have? Sorry, you, I don't know if you can see there at the back. I'm going to move to here. Um, just the type of trust that you might have in, as you can see, journalists, trade unions, academics, people you mean in general, friends, family members, right? You can see it's quite low. I think, well, you are introduced as people who like experts, so you're maybe in the 11% over there, which would be great. But in general, it's not very high. Um, right, and you could see when it comes to politics, it's even lower, right? So you have senior officials of the European Union, only 1% trust them a great deal. Senior officials in US government, government ministers in my own country, religious leaders, military leaders in my country, and people who run large companies. You can see trust is very, very low. This is important it's because people who have a great distrust in public institutions are more likely to be conspiracy theories than people who trust political institutions, okay? So that's why we wanted to ask that question. We asked this question also um, because the main thesis then that we kind of, the main conclusion we drew from our study was that the biggest indicator of being a conspiracy theorist, I said, was not voting. That means people who kind of rejected the political system as a whole and who generally felt excluded from it completely, right? So they feel excluded from the political system. And then as a secondary um, kind of criteria, which I'm going to explore a bit more, they didn't just feel excluded politically, but often they felt excluded economically and socially. Does that make sense? So they don't vote. They feel excluded from the political system. They have no trust in the political institutions. Um, economic exclusion, which we'll go to a bit later, but has to do with, for instance, are they unemployed? Um, and we wanted to check social, um, social engagement to see about, well, <coughs> how, how, how much participation do people have in different um, types of activities? So we have sports clubs or a hobby group organization providing assistance to people, art, music, or cultural organization, church or religious organization, political party, environmental organization. You can see that the vast majority of people in Great Britain participate in none of these things. Okay, so we wanted to try to measure social integration. Um, and ultimately what we found, long story short, what we found was that this doesn't have much impact on conspiracy theorizing because you might be very much integrated into your social group, but it doesn't mean that you feel integrated into the broader community. So the example I tend to use for this is if you think about African-Americans, they might be very socially integrated into their African-American culture, but obviously they feel very excluded normally, politically, economically, et cetera. Okay, so this is not one of the main criteria. We asked about religious belief. Um, because, as I'll get to um, with the comparison between Portugal and Sweden, there was a sense of whether Catholic countries are more likely to be conspiracy theorists or, than Protestant countries, right? Northern Europe versus Southern. And actually, we found that it does play a role, but not in the way that we normally think it plays a role. So I'm going to leave you with that, and I'll get back to it and tell you, and tell you why. Um, this was about um, optimism vis-a-vis -vis one's financial um, situation. Um, people were at, this was 2000, this is, so this is March 2016. People were still kind of neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I, if we're, we're hoping to run actually this whole survey again in a couple of months' time. Um, I, I wonder whether that's going to have changed much. But in any case, um, this kind of optimism about um, 
about one's future uh, financial well-being didn't play uh, much of a role. Um, this is whether free market versus more state intervention. Can you all see this or not really? Or should, I, should I read this for you? Yeah, sorry, I've kind of skipped through then. The government interferes too much in business and should give companies more freedom to operate as they see best. 19% agree to that. The government doesn't do enough to regulate business and should set stricter rules on how companies are allowed to operate. 31% said that. The current amount of regulation of business by government as in country is about right, 21%. Right? So most people think in, the, in Great Britain that government should regulate business a bit more. Now, so this is about representation and whether you think Parliament represents you. So the question was, putting aside your own party preferences or views on the current government, do you think that in general the Parliament in this country does a good job or a bad job of representing the interests of people like you? You can see 1% thought the Parliament does a very good job, 21% thinks it does a fairly good job, 23 neither a good nor a bad job, 27, fairly bad job, 18%, very bad job. So kind of a majority think that the parliament doesn't do a very good job of representing. And what this is important again, because I talked about how conspiracy theorists are likely to, f are likely to feel disenfranchised or excluded from the political system. So if they feel like that they're not very well represented, that, that feeds into conspiracy theorizing. And then the question of how democratic is the country. So this is the question was, how democratic or undemocratic would you say this country is on a scale of zero to 10, where zero means completely undemocratic and 10 means completely democratic? So 3% thought it was completely undemocratic. 1% thought it was a bit democratic, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, until you get, so still, you know, 17% there thinks that um, Great Britain is, is, is quite democratic. That's the majority we seem to get. This question then was thinking about how the political system currently works in this country, which one of the following statements best reflects your views? 23% think that the system works fairly well and doesn't need more than minor reforms. 28% think that the system works badly, but if we elect the right people, they could put things right. 26% think that the system is broken and it would take a total change of system to put things right. Okay. And again, as I said about rejection of the political system, the 26% there who said the system is broken and would need a complete change, those are the people who are more likely to be conspiracy theorists. Right? Does this all make sense to you so far? Yes? Good. So we get on to the, probably the meat that you really wanted, which is the answers to the questions that we asked. I'll go through them with you if you can't see. So the first question we asked was, even though we live I should ask you this question, or well, you've seen it now, but even though we live in what's called a democracy, a few people run things in this country anyway. How many people agree with that statement? You don't have to follow me, I'm just, I'm just agreeing. Okay, so we're here with 51%, which is uh, pretty representative. The government is deliberately hiding the truth uh, about how many immigrants really live in this country. Remember, so again, the question was slightly, the answer was yes, no, so it's slightly different. Here we still have 41%. If you remember in 2015, we had 52%. Um, regardless of who is officially in charge of governments and other organizations, there is a single group of people who secretly control events and rule the world together, 13%. Right? 
right? That was the key, remember I said the key conspiracy theories question. And again, the reason, I'm sorry, it's a bit technical, but the reason this is lower than the one we did in 2015 is here we had yes, no. 2015 we had strongly, you know, agree a bit, not really sure, agree, disagree a bit and disagree um, a lot. Um, but here was yes, no, so people really had to make a decision. So 13% of the population thinks that this, the cabal question, those are really the conspiracy theorists. The idea of man-made global warming is a hoax that, that was invented to deceive people. There are 90% said it. I think none said here. Did anyone say, say, say um, climate change? Humans have made contact with aliens, and this fact has been deliberately hidden from the public. 9% in Earth survey, but I think there's more people here who, who thinks that might be true. Secret plots that harm the nation are more common in this country than in other countries. 7%. The AIDS virus was created and spread around the world on purpose by a secret group or organization. Have you anyone, has anyone come across that conspiracy, what we call conspiracy theory? Yeah. All right, that's specifically about Africa, 4%. And then the official account of the Nazi Holocaust is a lie, and the number of Jews killed in the, by the Nazis during World War II has been exaggerated on purpose. Right, David Irvine kind of Holocaust denial, 2%. And it should say anything under 3% is normally kind of statistically insignificant, so I wouldn't really put too much weight on that. Because so those are the overall results we get in, in the GB sample of March 2016. Is this surprising to anyone? No? Yes? No? Kind of what you might have expected? Okay. Oh, it says here, sorry. Overall, we had... Um, 1,742, it was supposed to be a, you know, a, a representative sample of the population of England, Wales, and Scotland. We didn't have Northern Ireland. That is, that is what all of the pollings that you get in terms of election cycles, et cetera, that's a pretty standard number. It's normally 1,500 is what you get. It would obviously be nicer to get much bigger but for YouGov and general polling, that's considered to be a, a, a representative sample. <laughs> and YouGov have, have, a, have, a, have a not a great track record. Um, we're going to run it again. We'll see if we can have more people. Um, but hopefully, hopefully these um, kind of um, still hold. Um, this is the final question we asked, which was, which is the kind of question I asked you at the beginning, which is, well, I asked you a number of different ones, but I'm not sure how many of you would have put your hand up more than once. Um, and so it was like, how many of these questions about conspiracy theories do you think are true? And so the majority, okay, majority of people think either one or two of those statements overall are true. Okay. I'm happy to take, I know we're supposed to wait to the end, but if... I'm happy to talk at the same time. You had a question. Yes, you. Yeah, you. I think it might be an issue that an awful that YouGov runs all its surveys on the internet, and hence all the people that you're interviewing are internet users who get their information in a different way from non-internet users. Yeah. This and is a, sorry. Yeah. No, I know this is a methodological question. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't aware I was in such an expert um, audience, and that <laughs> these things would would come up. It's a it's a methodological problem for sure. Um, they'd like to think that the internet has gotten a, a slightly better than um, than old testing. It was always. I remember there was a polling, and you were talking about how polling is always wrong. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's true. I, th I think it's not always that polling is wrong, it's that they fail to tell you the margin of error. If they told you every time our margin of error is 3%, actually you could see that most of the time they're more or less kind of on, on, on target. But there was an example of, I think it was Ronald Reagan, they did like telephone kind of interviews, and they're like, oh, Ronald, a camera who was like, oh, he's ahead by a country mile. And it's like, yeah, but you only spoke to people at telephones, which was a certain demographic, which was obviously going to vote for Ronald Reagan, and then lost it by I don't know how much. So there are these problems, but they are aware of it, and they try to do it the best they can. If I can move on, um, because I just wanted, how are we doing for time? Okay, yeah. Um, what I want, so I've, I've showed you Great Britain, um, and I'm happy obviously to talk a bit more about that, but what I wanted to do, our idea of expanding it beyond Great Britain was to try to tackle a, a few ideas um, and a few kind of questions that we had. So one of them was, if we were right about um, conspiracy theories being linked to political exclusion, um, political disenfranchisement, people rejecting the political system and feeling excluded from it. Um, and we're saying, okay, well, actually, political exclusion, it's often linked not just to politically, but there's often other reasons linked to it too, economic reasons, economic exclusion, social exclusion. So what we thought we'd try to do is we say, okay, well, let, in Europe, we have quite different types of regimes. Let's see, let's compare the country which is considered to be um, the most... Um, yeah, sorry, that was what I wanted to ask, yes. Considered to be, for instance, you know, one of the richest countries, one which has the best demo uh, democracy index, which is best on the transparency scales, Transparency International, that does best on the Gini index. Um, I don't know, so the Gini index, is pe do people know what that is? The Gini index measures inequality within a country. Okay, so countries that do, okay, who are higher ranked in terms of how well their democracy is functioning, how rich they are, GDP, how well they do in terms of Transparency International, right, in terms of how transparent their government is, how well they do in terms of inequality or not. Um, so we had all these different uh, kind of criteria, and the point was to say, let's compare in Europe the country that does the best on these um, scales versus the country that does the worst, okay? And so the, person, the country that does the best on these scales is, slightly unsurprisingly, Sweden, right? So you have Sweden, Sweden's great, yay. Um, Sweden's great. Um, Portugal is also great, but for different reasons. Um, but Portugal, sadly, does worst on a lot of these indexes. Right, so Portugal, although if any of you just came, uh, Danny Dorling was saying how the UK had become one of the most unequal societies in Europe. Um, until uh, that may have changed recently, but at least in 2016, Portugal was the most unequal society in Europe, okay, in terms of measuring it at the Gini scale. So we wanted, we said, okay, well, I let's compare the two to see if, you know, countries that have better political integration, better social economic integration have less conspiracy theories than countries that have more inequality, more disenfranchisement, et cetera. You see where I'm going with this? And the hope then would be that Sweden would have? All right. And Portugal would have? All right. <laughs> the other thing we wanted to check was um, because it's different political systems. So uh, Britain, as you know, has a first-past-the-post system, whereas most of Europe has a proportional representation system. Right? Does that make sense? So, okay, great. Jeez. Um, I don't need to explain. Do you want to? Actually, I should... <laughs> I'll just play the slides and you can comment it yourself. Um, 
And so, so especially the Americans, the Americans think proportional representations, that's, that's the answer to everything. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, is it the case that countries that have proportional representation has lower? But our finding was that no, it doesn't, that doesn't play a role because as I said, it's not about representation within parliament, it's whether you reject a political system as a whole. So if you reject a political system as a whole, it doesn't really matter which type of political system it is, whether it's first to pass the post or proportional representation, that's not gonna play that much of a role. So we didn't find much difference. But I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to move, you want, you want to know whether, the, the, um, whether, it, was, whether it, were, it worked out or not, right? Okay, so we're doing, we're doing Portugal first, um, the, the nay kind of, uh, the nay one. Right, okay, so trust, as you can see, it's, um, it's, it's, already much, it's already lower than Great Britain. Um, I think academics, for instance, which is 5% here, was closer to 11%, so they trust people like me even less. Um, friends and family members is already lower, so it's kind of trust is already lower generally, and it's almost non-existent in terms of any political institutions, right? Remember I said anything below 3% is kind of statistically kind of a bit gone. Here you're one, one, two, two, one, right? So they have no trust at all in companies, political organizations, et cetera, okay? So bodes badly for Portugal, but bodes well for our thesis, um, which you're all on board with, which I'm, I'm delighted to hear. Um, they have even, Slightly, even compared to, to, to Britain, there's even less kind of involvement in sports clubs, hobbies, whatever it might be, right? So 64% 64, 64 are not involved in any type of extra whatever uh, activity. That was 60% in, in Britain. Um, how religious is Portugal? Um, it's, it's, it's more religious than, than, um, than Great Britain. So that's why we ask these questions, you know? We asked, okay, so everything that happens in my life is caused by a higher force, such as God, fate, or destiny. We had to kind of, couldn't be specific in terms of one religion or another. It had to be slightly broader. So 11% um, in Portugal thinks everything, 12% thinks that most, 30% thinks that some of what happens in my life is caused by a higher force, such as God, fate, or destiny. 24% think that none of what happens. In Britain, and there were more people who thought that, um, that, it was, that it was less the case. Remember these, because this will be important for the distinction we're trying to draw between n n southern, Cath southern Catholic countries and northern Protestant countries when we come to Sweden. Um, how optimistic or pessimistic? They're neither optimistic nor pessimistic, mainly 43%. Um, how much um, should um, the government intervene in business? So uh, a, a large uh, kind of a, a large majority of Portuguese, 53%, think that the government doesn't regulate business enough in Portugal. Um, and that should be the case. Keep this one in mind also because Sweden is going to look different. Um, and so um, how well does the parliament to do of representing? It does a fairly bad job by 35%. And how democratic do you, is your country? Remember, um, Great Britain, it was closer to seven was kind of the, the strongest. Here it's down to five. So they obviously clearly think that their country is a lot less kind of democratic um, than Britain is. Here, you can, can you tell the difference between this one already and, and Great Britain? So this is the question, thinking about how the political system currently works in this country, which one of the following statements best reflects your views? 8% thinks that the system works fairly well and doesn't need more than minor reforms. 
33% thinks that the system works badly, but if we elect the right people, they could put things right. 47% of the majority think the system is broken and it would take a total change of system to put things right. So 47% of Portuguese think that their system is a complete disaster, basically, and it should be completely changed. That's much higher already than it was in, in Great Britain. Now, the, the real kind of fun beef that you all wanted. Okay, um, if you remember, I asked you how many thought that even though we live in a democracy, it's still a few people who rule, about half of you said. In Portugal, 70% of the people think that even though we live in a democracy, a few people still rule, right? Then, 47% say that regardless of who is officially in charge of governments and other organizations, there is a single group of people who secretly control events and rule the world together. You remember how much it was in Great Britain? It was on this account, it was 13%. Here were 47%. Okay, so massive difference. Massive difference. 29% believe that secret plots that harm the nation are more common in this country than in other countries. Smaller countries tend to do higher on this, probably because they're scared of their bigger neighbor, so Spain. If you ran this in Ireland, I think Ireland would probably be slightly higher. Like Belgium, these places, they're a bit scared of their bigger neighbor, whether they're going to invade them or not. The government is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country, 16%. Humans have made contact with aliens, so this fact has been deliberately hidden from the public, 11%. The AIDS virus was created and spread around the world on purpose by secret group organization, 8%. The idea of a man-made global warming is a hoax that was invented to deceive people, 5%. The official account, Nazi um, Holocaust now, 3%, none of these are true. I could tell you something briefly more about these questions that we asked about immigration, because obviously it's not just played a role in the UK, but it seems to be playing a, quite a strong role in, um, in uh, European politics too. So um, when we ran this, I can't show you the whole of Germany, but Germany, um, the answer to that question, if you remember, Great Britain was 41%, Germany was actually 42%. And this was the summer after Merkel had let in all the Syrian refugees. We know the, re the kind of consequences of that action with the rise of the IFD in Germany, the far right group. Um, and we have similar We'll see Sweden, actually. I don't know if anyone follows Swedish politics, but there's a link also between immigration and the Swedish Democrats, who are a far-right party, who just yesterday are now third in the polls. So they might actually become very important in the next Swedish parliament. And we had Italy also, okay? And you also all saw what happened with the Italian elections, that both parties on the, the populist left and the populist right, if you want to describe them that way, were both quite anti-immigration. Okay. Um, and so, how many people, how many of these statements do people in Portugal overall believe in here? The maximum is three. If you remember back in, U in Great Britain, there was one or two. Okay, so this looks already kind of what we were thinking of. At least it looks, it looks worse already than in terms of the amount of people who believe in conspiracy theories. It looks worse than Sweden. Now, Let's look then, sorry, let's, uh, let's look at Sweden. Happy Sweden, everything's wonderful. And everything is wonderful. Um, look at the difference. I should go to Sweden. People respect me there a lot more than they do here or anywhere else in the world. And people really, family members, 84% trust their family members. Do you trust your family members? Don't answer that one. 
Um, and here, okay, it's, this isn't great either, but it's slightly, it's slightly better, right? It's still slightly better. So governments in my country have 7%. Whoa. Um, it's getting very exciting. Military leaders are 17%. This is, you know, compared to the 1% or 2% that you're getting in Portugal, it's, it already looks very, very different. Um, more people are involved in sports and other activities than they were in, obviously, in Great Britain and in, um, and in Portugal. But as I said, I, that wasn't, didn't really indicate conspiracy theorizing because you could be very integrated in your own, so, in your own kind of social group but still feel excluded from power. Um, so it wasn't a very good, um, it wasn't a very good indicator. Okay, so here you could see the question of, of religion, if you want to put it that way. It's, um, so 43% of Swedes think that none of what happens in my life is caused by a higher force such as God, fate, or destiny. So majority of people are what we might call secular, right? That they don't believe God or religion or any kind of other force plays a strong role in their life. Whereas in Portugal, if you remember, the majority of people, or the largest number of people, thought that some of what happens in my life is determined by higher force God of faith. So this is, looks more like a sec, it looks more secular than Portugal looks. Um, the Swedes are fairly optimistic. You see, it's a happy-go country. You know, people are optimistic about the future. It's about the only one that's optimistic about the future, actually. Um, and there you go. I don't know if anyone's been to Sweden. Yeah, no. Um, there you go. Well, try it out maybe for your next holidays. Um, the weather can't be much worse than hay. <laughs> That's not fair, is it? Sorry. No, I'll take that. It's my first time, so I was like, oh, great. I came, and my, like, they're like, oh, I was told maybe you need to take wellies. And I was like, no, no, the weather will be great. It'll be great. You'll have a good time. So I actually brought, like, I brought a white suit. <laughs> yeah, right. I won't be making that mistake again. Um, okay. Um, here, so here's slightly different. Um, the Swedes think that the government interferes too much in business, right? So they want a bit more free market, less government intervention. So it's slightly different to what we have. And then, uh, right, um, they're not very happy with how Parliament represents them. They still think it's a very bad, very bad job. But they think that overall their country is a bit more democratic, right? The kind of biggest here is seven or eight. Remember, Portugal was closer to around five. GB was between six and seven, right? So they generally think that their country is a bit more democratic um, than usual. Um, and here, okay, so remember, is the system completely broken or not? So 23% think that the system works fairly well and doesn't need more than minor reforms. 34 think that the system works badly. So this is, the, this is the biggest group of people. The biggest group of people think that the system works badly, but if we elect the right people, they could put things right. And 31% think the system is broken and it would take a total change of system to put things right. So, but, so there's a difference. Remember, Portugal was huge in terms of the system is broken and it, it's, it's a disaster and it should be completely changed. Um, right, but this is what I suppose you're all kind of hoping for and waiting for. Right? The first thing to notice is that the biggest is actually none of these is true. That's the biggest. And all the other ones, one of the other answers was, was the biggest. But here, 49% of Swedes think that absolutely none of these statements about what well, we, we could characterize as conspiracy theories are true. 33% think that even though we live in what's called a democracy, a few people will run things in this country anyway. 31 think that the government is deliberately hiding the truth about how many immigrants really live in this country. So that's actually quite high. And as I said, that's playing a role in Swedish politics today with the rise of the Swedish Democrats, who are a far-right, anti-immigrant um, party. 
and they've really done very, very well in the polls. They might even come second in the next um, elections. 10%, only 10%. Remember, what was it for Portugal? I have it here. Portugal was 47%. Sweden, only 10%. Regardless of who is officially in charge of governments and other organizations, there's a single group of people who secretly control events and rule the world together, right? So we've gone from 47% in Portugal, 13% in, in Great Britain, to 10% in Sweden. And then they have 7% global warming, secret plots, 7%, 6% uh, humans have made contacts with aliens, 2%. AIDS virus, 1% Holocaust denial. So the one, so none of these is true is the biggest, 49%. And here also, 35% think that none of the statements above are true. That's the only country. Remember, if you, um, the Great Britain was like one or two statements. Portugal was two or three statements. Sweden is none. That's the biggest. Okay. So how did we do in our test? Did we, uh, was it successful? Did we, um, did we show something? What do you think? Do you think there's a difference between Sweden and Portugal? Yeah, are you convinced? Kind of, just about. I know you go a bit dodgy also, yeah. Yeah, okay, very dodgy, okay. <laughs> right, well, um, so much for that. Um, okay, I have one minute. Oh, I should, I have to, yes, it's gone red, I have to finish. So I'm gonna finish. I'm just gonna finish with um, just a couple of thoughts. The first one was that often conspiracy theories, um, you, you, know, you think, okay, if you meet somebody who has certain ideas, you try to reason with them, and you try to say, no, look, you're wrong, there's this, 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 and they tend, it, it, it doesn't work, right? Because they have what we describe as, um, conspiracy theories have a kind of a self-sealing capacity. So whatever new information is given, they just integrate it into it. So I, the classic thing would be like, well, you would say that because you work in Cambridge and whatever, and you work with YouGov, and you know you're funded by the Leverhulme. So of course you would say these things. You know, you're part of the plot to keep, you know, me from thinking differently. So that's the problem. So th the idea of this research, at least, was to try to say, okay, instead of looking at it the individual kind of rational way, let's try to see it as a broader political structural problem and whether we can address it in different in those different ways. And we like to think, however dubious you might think some of these results are, we like to think that there is a difference between Sweden and Portugal. And the reason that there is a difference between Sweden and Portugal might have to do with the fact that Sweden is a bit kind of better politically organized, social kind of um, integration, um, um, et cetera. Okay, and obviously the question of education is key too. So Sweden does far better on education rankings than um, Portugal does. Um, but what, so, and what does, this does tend to suggest is that it's not really that conspiracy theories are the cause of disenchantment with democracy. It's rather that they're a symptom of disenchantment with democracy. Does that make sense? It took me uh, like three years to figure that out. So, <laughs> and it came to me at one of these talks. I was like, oh, that's, that, there you go. I've got, I've got the phrase now. But it took me, okay. Well, you get what I mean? Okay. So, great. Well, okay. Um, and um, so it's, it's dis disenfranchised, so it is a really, it's a problem with democracy. People feel disenfranchised, they're not really integrated, et cetera. And so if, if this comparison is right, then if we have better, obviously, engagement, political engagement, economic engagement, that maybe that's one way of trying to reduce conspiracy theorizing. The reason we might want to do that is that it seems to cause problems with the democracies which we live in today. Um, I don't need to give you many more examples than anyone, somebody like Trump. Um, so, 
Um, but I would just end with this note of caution, which is that I don't think to, I don't think the aim would be to get rid of conspiracy theorizing altogether. I think that would be uh, a mistake. Um, in, in the kind of literature and conspiracy theories, it's often described, people who, have, who believe in conspiracy theories are often described as having kind of um, crippled epistemologies. That is, they don't know very much and what they know is wrong. I think that's, um, but that's a very pejorative view of it. I also think that if, you want, if in a democracy we want a critical public that challenges and poses questions to um, our political rulers, then conspiracy theorizing, if maybe goes too far, it's still nonetheless the price to pay to have that critical um, public, right? So we don't want to repress it altogether. So I'll just end with a quote by Chris Christopher Hitchens. Christopher Hitchens says that conspiracy theories are the exhaust fumes of democracy, right? And so I think, you know, we're all happy to live with a bit of pollution because it's useful for the economy to get around. I don't know how you came here, but you polluted the planet coming here, right? Let's face it. You either drove or, unless some of you live in Hay, you drove or took the train or whatever. So that's, so exhaust fumes, okay, we have a bit of it, but obviously we don't want to be asphyxiated by it. Um, so that's probably the right way, hopefully, to try to think of it. So I should stop now, and we have time for questions. Thank you very much. Is it, is it the tradition here that you take two questions at a time, or not? No, okay. That, the man there, there's two, there's two men in the road. Take the wood first, then the one afterwards, yeah. Uh, so I've got two questions. Ah. Have, you, have you, Gov, ever asked the question, would you go for change regardless if it was good or bad? But have I got the question? Would you, Gov, yeah. ever asked the population that? All right. Would you vote for change regardless if it was good or it was bad? Is that your first question? Did you have two one. questions? Yeah, the, the other one yes. was a statement. I was at a conference, and the prediction is that more than 50% of all information will be fake by 2021. And this was a professional company called Gartner. I wonder how that correlates to this. A professional company called, sorry? Gartner. They're a, okay, an know. IT company. Um, so for the, quest, for, uh, for the first one, I'm not... Sh they haven't done it within what, what we've done, I presume... But it is a, it's, it's a good question. I suppose it's linked to the question about does a, do, does a political system have to change completely for something to go on? So I think that tries to answer some of that. Um, in terms of fake news, of course, conspiracy theories, fake news, et cetera, are very, very linked. Um, whether 50% of, um, of future information will be wrong, um, the only thing, maybe, the only thing I'd say to that, I think we shouldn't have this kind of Panglossian view of that in the past we had the truth and everything was fine. That was precisely actually what my landlady was saying. It's like, before we knew the truth and now we don't know anymore. It's like, ah, do we really know the truth that well? Like, is post-truth is what we call certain things. And of course, there are technological reasons why that's the case. Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously the role that as was asked at the beginning, the role that Russia's playing in this, but it would be, I think, a bit, a bit naive to think that we always lived in a, in a, in a society where we had full truth. Okay. There was a question. Yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I find your, your comments tantalizing. Well, that's uh, very kind. And, and very stimulating. Even more. <laughs> where is this going? If you ask questions in the form of referenda in different countries, and particularly if you take the example that you know, some people feel very disenfranchised, would you expect certain outcomes in different countries? And then the other thing that 
I would have thought everybody in the audience must be thinking is, you know, as the, on the back of our referenda yeah. two years ago, the whole question about the elite that are supposed to be running this country and the somewheres and anywhere people. Right. Um, how does that play? Because it seems to me you were, the reason I find it tantalizing is you didn't draw that connection. Why? Because I'm writing a book on it. So you mean we're going to come back again next year? Yeah, well, you, you know who to, you, I don't know, talk to somebody else, yes. Please tell them. Uh, and it's, no, it's not a joke. I'm writing a book on elites and democracy, um, which is why I, that question about even though we live in a democracy, if you still rule, I completely agree with that statement. And so, um, and then the question, because, okay, what type of elites do we have? Are they good or bad? I mean, we have Michael Gove speaking kind of next door at the moment. Um, <laughs> is he a good elite? I mean, we're going to have some type of, we have politicians, sure, but I think we have questions about what type of politicians and how, how good they are. So that, I'm not going to say any more because that is literally what I'm, the book I'm writing on now. So whatever it comes out, I'd be happy to come and talk about it again. The, refer the referendum question, I mean, Ireland has a referendum today, right? And as you might have picked up by Myers. Um, so there are cultural reasons that go along. I mean, Ireland is more used to having referendums, so there's certain things. I mean, in many ways, in, in some clear ways, Brexit shouldn't have been a surprise because you have no referendum for such a long time. And all of a sudden, people are given basically a blank check to give a bloody nose to the government. Well, what do they do? Well, of course, they, yeah, give me more. Um, <laughs> you know, we keep doing that. So, well, um, so, so uh, yeah, uh, there, there were, well, there are lots of cultural. So you're right, those two questions also go together. There are cultural questions that go with, with referenda. Um, and then the role of the elite. And what I wanted to say is, as I said, this was before Brexit, and so we're hoping to do another round now. So the idea is that we can have a pre-Brexit and post-Brexit comp comparison. Uh, hopefully that will... Again, I just keep telling you, oh, there's more loads of great more stuff I'm going to do. Invite me back. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine with me. Okay, we should move on, sorry, to somebody else. Maybe somebody at the back. Hello, yeah, to, I yeah. I'm here. Sorry. And I've got the microphone. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Um, I was just thinking about the questions that you asked, and yeah. it seems that they're sort of gradiated from sceptical right. to really, really, really extreme. Um, and I was wondering if there was any way of sort of defining that um, to say, well, th these sorts of people are more likely to be sceptical of the government, which I think the first statement you ask is more of scepticism yeah. to right at the end where AIDS was like formulated in a laboratory and deliberately infected, that feels much more like a conspiracy theory. And also, is there somewhere on that scale where it goes into a delusion? So if I believe that the government is spying on everyone, that's just a conspiracy theory. If I think they're spying on me particularly, that would probably be classified as delusion. So like, is there a way of gradiating that? Great question. We, um, I couldn't do it here, but we do. that's why we asked the question about, um, the, one of the questions about, you know, even though we live in a democracy, people, um, it's always a few people who rule. It's interesting to put the people who say yes to that question with the question, the people who say yes to the cabal question. And they obviously don't overlap, right? There's, it's like 50 and 30, whatever it might be. So there's a group of people there that you might classify precisely as you call them as skeptics or cynics um, who think, well, democracy is an elite project, but who don't fall into thinking it's a cabal. So you could distinguish it in those way. I, had, I, I don't have it here, but I had nice kind of round diagrams of which you could put those two together. Um, so that's what I say to that. Um, delu yeah, del individual delusion. 
So that's, so that's why I say, when you, if you meet somebody who starts asking a question about Lady Di or whatever, like, see how far they're willing to go with it. If, if they moved, so you could have, there are people who will just say, no, I'm only interested in JFK, I think JFK is a bit dodgy, blah, 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 that's it. I don't want to make any claims otherwise. You find people like that, and then you do find people who go the full kind of shebang. And the, I think the, always the interesting question is how, if, how far they're willing to go along that, that path. A lot of them are quite quickly willing to move. Um, so that's what I say to that. I think we're okay. There was a question down here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Hi. it was Hi. sort of covered by the last question in that um, you need to define conspiracy theories because um, there is a sort of gray area between skepticism and conspiracy. It would, would you agree with that? And also, yeah. I would like to know about the numbers of people for Sweden and Portugal and um, wonder if this very small self-selecting yeah. group is helpful. We have, um, so Sweden here, so you can't see it, it's 1,007. Um, and Portugal admittedly was, um, was, we had trouble getting Portugal, so we only have 500. So you can, yes, you can, uh, so there are, so there are, I'm not trying to say that there aren't kind of methodological questions related to this. I still like to think that it does overall hold up. I mean, it's quite, if, if, you, if you double the, the Portuguese size, I don't, I can't imagine that the 47% who answered the cabal question would suddenly drop down to 10% like you would in Sweden. So the overall point hopefully remains. And for, for the question of definition, um, a lot of the literature just seems to have this consensus about the, what we call, what I've been calling the cabal question, is, is say there's a secret group of people who rule everything. That's what the definition is. And I think, again, um, speaking to my landlady, that, that ultimately is what she ultimately believes. And that seems to capture something um, essential about conspiracy theorizing. So that's the definition I think we, we want to use. We have, yeah, we, yes, uh, at the back. So just on the cabal question, why is that the core of a conspiracy theorist's belief system, that there's some controlling intelligence that explains what's wrong with the world or wrong with their life or wrong with the system. Why is it that? I, I take your question is not why are we defining it as such, but why do people believe that? Um, so that's a really interesting question. I think there's been a lot of psychological work done on this. Um, and often the answer that seems to come up is that these, if these people especially are, are kind of disenfranchised or feel excluded or whatever, in some ways having a theory that explains the world in a simple way is a way for them to gain control of it again and not only get control of it but also give them a sense of well, there's a sense of self-empowerment but there's also a kind of a feel-good factor involved in it so it's a kind of compensatory measure if a lot of their lives is not that great they say okay but you know at least i understand what's really going on and the reason i didn't get that job is because there's actually this secret group of people who mean that i didn't get the job so there is often an empowerment kind of element. And this is why conspiracy theory is also, um, there's, there's often a kind of a, a, a strong sexual element to it. Um, a lot of it, um, sadly, when it's kind of more nefarious elements, there's pedophilia often comes around when you talk about conspiracy theories about cabals. Um, and it's because that's again about, it's again about power. It's like, okay, well, these people, you know, there's people out there who have power. They have, they have all the power, and that's why I'm not getting on with my life. They have power. They have power over sex, sex of power, uh, our, our money, etc. 
and theoretically, kind of intellectually, it's a way of regaining control of one's life and also then trying to uh, make us feel slightly better about it. Maybe a question here at the front. Yeah, you were seen very insistent with the red, um, with the red. And we should get some, actually, I just realized we should get some gender balance too, so you'll be next. Hello, um, I find this so super interesting. Um, I think the point about differentiating between different types of conspiracy theory, um, it, there's, I think there's more to be said for that. Sure. I also, I'm interested in what type of events arouse suspicion or even the idea of conspiracy theory, yep. because um, I, I find it interesting, you know, there has to be a certain degree of uncertainty, um, like, you know, Lady Di, yep. compared to, and I find it interesting, people here, nobody really found climate change um, as, as having a potential for being a conspiracy theory because sort of, I don't know, the idea of having half a dozen dustbins at the Hay Festival to put your rubbish in, it doesn't see, it, it seems to almost like, like there's too much bother. Um, and, and also, it, there's no obvious um, group or elite that seems to be gaining anything from um, a, a possible conspiracy theory about climate change. Just two quick things. Have you seen the document, uh, Adam Curtis's documentaries uh, and if you have, what do you think about them, particularly the one called hypernormalization? And mm. lastly, do you think to an extent and in a way, terrorism is a form of contemporary conspiracy theory? Great. Well, you actually answered yourself the first question, which is that it's, um, it is, it, in areas of uncertainty, there's a massive take-up on conspiracy theorize because of it's part of the human condition. It goes back to the, to the previous question. You're trying to explain to yourself something that doesn't work, so of course you put a theory together to try to explain it. So un, and when there's uncertainty, so if, if there's an event that happens, like the 24 hours after that event, there's a massive spike in conspiracy theories, and then it tends to kind of drop out, and then the hardcore people stay. Um, I'm not going to say anything about Adam Curtis, although we can, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, terrorism, I mean, this is what I ended up saying to my landlady. Sorry to keep talking about my landlady, but it was kind of just in a moment. Um, as 9-11, it's like, well, there, yeah, there, of course there was a conspiracy. It was a conspiracy by Al-Qaeda. That's, that's the conspiracy, right? It, there's no conspiracy. I mean, it's not a theory. It's a, well, it, it's a theory of conspiracy, but it's not necessarily a conspiracy theory. They conspired to hijack a plane and, dry, and fly it into the World Trade Center. Yes, that's what the conspiracy is. So on the one hand, and you're right on the other hand, that conspiracy theories drive a lot of terrorism today. So anti-Semitic anti conspiracy theories are often... are. Well, there are kind of the genus, actually, anti-Semitic anti, um, anti conspiracy theories, and they drive certain types of behavior that you will see today in Islamic terrorism, et cetera, of course. Same could be said of Hitler. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi. Hi. I, I have to admit, I, I love YouGov polls, but full disclosure. All right, full, good. Full, full, full disclosure. Good, good for you. You work for them. In a, in <laughs> in a previous incarnation, okay. I was a, a pollster. Good, but defend them so as much <laughs> as you like. Um. So um, what I wanted to ask is, I yes. mean, quantitative research, brilliant, getting the numbers, but when you're writing your book and you're researching your book, are you planning on doing any qualitative research? Because I think yeah. what, it, what it is, I mean, numbers are great, but if you want to drill down, it's actually finding out what makes these people tick, what yeah. their journey is to the conspiracy theories, and also finding out what, um, what evidence do they provide for believing in these things. Great, thanks. So um, we won't be doing it because there has been a lot of people who have done this work, who've sat down with, with conspiracy theorists. And I've actually, I've gone to, um, I went to a David Icke um, show um, in the Wembley Arena not the Wembley Stadium, Wembley Arena, which is beside it, and it was two-thirds full, so I don't know, like that's 30,000 people. 
It was absolutely boring. It was worse than me. Like, it was just him. It was him. Oh, we're done. Okay, this is the last one. It was him with a PowerPoint presentation, which, you know, at least this looks kind of semi-professional. It was like, and with just like these bland statements that, you know, like, oh, feel the world and the world will feel you, all this kind of stuff. And well, he did have his son kind of involved in it too, who had a who had a song that a love song that everybody should sing and participate in. Yeah, it sounds nice. And you know, and it was for Palestine and all that. Okay, um, so I'm getting completely sidetracked. No, um, to say um, so, people have sat down, um, and and even um, so, the the research shows this. And I and anecdotally also, while I was there, listening to people having conversation, and a lot of it was, you know, oh, there was a moment of revelation. There was a moment where. The scales were lifted off my eyes, you know, there's a veil, or I, ha or I had this kind of outer body experience. I was like, so one guy was like, I was in a band, I was playing the bass, and suddenly I had this outer body experience, and I realized the world wasn't was how I was. There's always this moment of shift. How that comes about, I d that's, that's a bit more difficult to answer, but there's always that shift. And then the way they work is that because they're just so convinced by it, this is what's interesting, the kind of slight bizarre overlap between academia and, and conspiracy theories, is that they're absolutely pedantic. So they will just quote and quote and quote. And if you get any emails, which I've now gotten from conspiracy theorists, they just go on and on and on and on. And they think quantitatively is going to prove their point. It, but obviously, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily do the case. So that's, um, so, so that, though, I think, ho hopefully, those are some of the reasons. I'm sorry to say I've been told that my time is up. Um, I know. <laughs> but um, thank you. No, well.